Today on Stick to Football, it is Mock Draft Monday time. We're going to take you 1 through 32. We're going to look back at the weekend the Heisman Trophy was handed out and also answer your draft on draft questions. Connor, it is good to see you, buddy. I, uh, I missed you last yeah, week. Yeah, good to see you. Welcome back. Nice to see that you're healthy. We were getting worried there for a while. It got to the point where we had to call in a full show replacement for one time in Luke Voigt. That's how worried we were about you, Matt. So we had a little tryout, but we decided to keep you, buddy. Yeah, you know, Luke did a good job, uh, fellow Missouri boy holding it down. But I think when it comes to the draft, I might have him. Um, he's had a, like a riot. I was really sad I missed that show. Mello texted me right after, and he's like, that was the best interview we've ever had. It, it was a so lot of fun. Maybe maybe I just need to get out of the way more often. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I saw the best YouTube comment we've ever gotten, and it was at the top because it got so many thumbs up. The top comment for the show was, Luke looks like the two hosts mesh together. Me and Mello put into one person. If you and Mello were combined into a human <laughs> it was being. so, um, so great. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, no, thanks to Luke for stopping by and hanging out with you guys. Uh, but we do have a lot to get into today in terms of a new mock draft. The draft order is shaking up as we get down to the wire here with the playoff race. Uh, and especially with, like, teams don't want to lose. The Giants win. That's going to affect things as we head into Week 16. But first and foremost, congrats to Joe Burrow from LSU winning the Heisman Trophy. Uh, the largest win ever. Uh, largest in terms of the percent of ballots he was on, the points that he won by. In the Heisman, it's like the Electoral College. No one completely understands it. But you basically give people points, and that's how they win this thing. But congrats to Joe Burrow, who uh, was very deserving. I think we had all said that. You know, Melo and I talked about it. Uh, quite a bit uh, in the week prior of, you know, we felt like this guy was hands down going to win it, even though Chase Young deserved a lot of, a lot of mention. Uh, I thought that the two quarterbacks, Justin Fields had a great year statistically. Jalen Hurts, what he did, just, you know, keeping that Oklahoma train rolling. But Joe Burrow, Connor, to me, I don't remember a lot of Heisman Trophy speeches. And I, I mean, I watch it every year because it's our job. I thought Joe Burrow's speech was amazing. And not it wasn't like this well-written, you know, we're going to look back on it and it's going to be like a JFK speech, but the rawness and the emotion, it was it was really hard to watch and not get emotional as well to see just the relief that he felt and the pride that he felt and then, you know, to shout out his hometown Athens, Ohio and the struggles there. I thought he did an amazing job. I thought so too, and I thought it if you needed to know why people for a long time before this magical year at LSU have said nothing but great things about Joe Burrow, the person, whether it's the camps he was at or why he was so loved when he got to Ohio State and why a lot of people were rooting for him at Ohio State and why a lot of people that are Buckeye fans and college football fans rooted for him even after he left and when he went to LSU. That's what makes Joe Burrow so special. I think obviously teams are going to fall in love with him it doesn't matter that they will because he's going number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. So they're the only team that matters in all of this. But for Joe Burrow, and I believe, you know, somebody said that he didn't write a speech. He just went up there and spoke. It it goes to show you how genuine and natural he is. And that stuff really does matter for a quarterback at the next level, at the highest level of football. And, And I think it was awesome to watch. And I think it was great. He started with thanking his offensive line, You could see how the relationship he has with Coach O. And we've always said this about Coach O. He might not be the best in-game coach in college football, and that's not an insult to him. It's just that he's not the best at it. But the other things he does so well, relationships with players, recruiting, developing players, it is another thing that's made him, you know, so great 
for that LSU program, that top-ranked LSU program. And for Burrow, it was an awesome way to cap off what's just been such a great regular season run. Yeah, it has been, and so well-deserved. I do want to talk about Chase Young, who finished fourth. That surprised to. me. I, I really thought he would finish second, and that's uh, I said that's how my ballot would go, which we don't have a vote here at Stick to Football, not collectively and not individually. I would have voted at Burrow, Chase Young, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and I, I feel like that was pretty logical. I understand some people maybe wanted to penalize Chase Young because of the two-game suspension, but I don't know how you can— I, I guess I don't know if you're going to put him on the ballot. How is he not first or second? Like if you're going to vote for the guy, what makes you put him fourth instead of second or first? And I haven't seen any voters come out and explain why they had him where they did. I saw Bruce Feldman put uh, Sewell, the Oregon left tackle, in second place. Like I and he explained his vote. I thought okay, like that was a dominant left tackle. Didn't give up a sack all year. He's been an amazing player. I get it, but I don't quite understand why people are overlooking Chase Young still 16 and a half sacks 20 tackles for a loss if you watched college football on Saturdays you know he was the most dominant player in the sport I'm with you all the way Matt and I'm a little confused by what this award really represents anymore is it its definition which is the most outstanding player in college football because if that's the case how Chase Young is not at least second doesn't add up to me. And a lot of people pointed this out on Twitter when I tweeted about it. it. They were saying that he had the second most first place votes. So for him to finish fourth means that a lot of people, there's a big chunk of voters that didn't really include him, didn't take him yeah. seriously. And I think this is my problem with the Heisman Trophy is that there is a large section of voters that, and I understand a vote is an opinion and you have the right to that. But if you're not even getting him in the conversation, you should not have a vote. You obviously are not even not watching the games or you treat it as the best quarterback in the country. Because I, I always go back to and, and me and you both said this a lot and mellow on the third on our Friday show, the trophy has really become the best player on the best team. You might yeah. not be the best player in the country. I mean Chuba Hubbard finished in seventh or eighth. And do you think Chuba Hubbard was the seventh or eighth best player in the country this year? No, he was way better than that. But the problem is Chase Young was the best player for an undefeated team. And he finished right. fourth. Yeah, it's like just, he truly I, was the yeah. best player on the best team. It is. And I know Chase Young won't care if they win a national championship. <laughs> and he, uh, this segues perfectly. It came out over the weekend from TMZ of all places that Chase Young says he's not worried about the NFL and his plans to come back. Now he walked that back a little bit Saturday night. Can we just say that this is the perfect right now comment ever? Like right now, he's probably not worried about the NFL draft. He's worried about Ohio state and the college football playoff. He also doesn't have to worry because he knows he's going to be the first or second pick overall. If a team, if the Bengals have the pick, it's going to be Joe Burrow. If it's anyone else, it's going to be Chase Young. There we go. Put a period on it. It's done. So he doesn't have to worry. If Chase Young were to go back to Ohio State for a senior year, it would be the biggest surprise ever. In terms of the NFL draft, it would be the biggest surprise ever. Yeah, it would. I mean, when you look at what Andrew Luck did, I think everybody had already known how obsessed with being at Stanford Andrew Luck was. He was just a different kind of guy. Yeah, And I'm not saying Chase isn't like that with Ohio State. But much like Luck, Chase doesn't have anything left to prove here. I mean, no. he really, really doesn't. The Heisman Committee just showed him 
you can be the best defensive player in the country and possibly the best player in the country. We're not going to consider you. We're not. You finished fourth. The chances of him replicating that season, Matt, statistically, are probably less than 10% because teams are going to triple-team him every game. If you don't, you're, you're a fool. So I, think, I also think it's a problem with, and I've noticed it more so this year, a lot of people getting ahead of themselves. There's a huge problem with the reporting of players deciding to return for, back to school or go to the draft where oh, yes. they're almost not allowed to make up their minds or given the cushion of time. Things change. We say it all the time. Things change. Somebody else gets hurt and someone changes their mind because they can capitalize on the stock. They might have the game of their life at the end of the year, and they're being told, listen, we saw everything we need to see in that game. you got to get out while it's hot. Cardell Jones, he probably should have left that year, and he didn't. But the problem is, I mean, TMZ coming out, and Chase Young said the right thing. He's worried about winning a national title right now. He's not thinking about the NFL draft, and he'll have the required time to think about that when the college football playoff is over. Yeah, absolutely. Let's find out how early he goes in our mock draft Monday. We'll be back right after this. The Cincinnati Bengals still only first pick in the draft. Connor Rogers, you are on the clock, buddy. Who's it going to be? I already said it in around the league. Let's not <laughs> right. let's not uh, beat around the bush here. It's Joe Burrow. It's as simple as that. Now, as we get closer to the draft, we'll talk about Joe Burrow's impact for the Bengals and all that good stuff. But considering we got 31 other picks here today, Matt, let's move on to number two, and that's the New York Giants. Yeah, and this is also a no-brainer. Whether it's Dave Gettleman or me and you running the draft, it's going to be Chase Young as the pick here. It, this is the easiest one-two I can remember since Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, where we just knew who it was going to be. And Chase Young to the Giants, it's a need, it's a value, it's a perfect fit for them. Now, I think it's interesting to bring this up today's show. We have three 3-11 three teams right now, Matt. The yep. Giants, Dolphins, Redskins. The Lions only have three wins, but they have a tie. So strength of schedule is going to be huge here. But as a lot of these teams in the bottom four or top four of the draft play each other this week, this is a huge draft weekend we have coming up. And if you're the Giants, I've said it over and over again, you want to keep losing for Chase Young. You really do. And if that's the case, oh, go ahead, Matt. You got Eli as win. Now stop. Now stop. Just stop winning. Hit the brakes. Number three, the Miami Dolphins, a a team a lot of people thought would be picking one or two. They could still jump up to number two when all is said and done. But three here, I'm going with two at Tonga Vailoa. Back to what we already thought for a long time. I think a lot of there's a lot of medical questions about Tua. But I can't answer those right now, and I can't answer those until we get out to Indy. And I want to go with the glass-half-full approach for Tua. I still think the talent is top-three-pick kind of talent for him. I hope it all works out for him, and I think if he checks out medically, the Dolphins cannot pass up on him here. Yeah, I like that. Number four, the Washington Redskins. Hey, it's working out pretty well with some Ohio State guys, Dwayne Haskins, Scary Terry McLaren. Let's get one more. Jeff Akuda at corner. Not only uh, does the Buckeye pipeline work here, but he's also I, he's the best corner in the draft. He's the best corner I've evaluated since Jalen Ramsey. He fits perfectly. Yeah, Josh Norman is terrible. They need to get better at, at the corner position. Yes, they need a left tackle. We all know that. I feel like it's still too early for Jedrick Wills or Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs. Maybe they would trade back, but in a, in a mock draft Monday without trades, Jeff Akuda is the best pick for them. 
Yeah, I love that. I think Akuda's a top five player in this class at a premium position in today's NFL, and he would be perfect for Washington at number four. Number five, the Detroit Lions. They really, really should have taken probably a guy like Ed Oliver or some kind of defensive lineman last year. They can solve that this year at number five with Derek Brown. He is unblockable. He is unstoppable. I love watching this guy play. I love watching him take over against the run. He has a really good motor as a pass rusher. I don't know if Matt Patricia is going to be there next year, but it doesn't matter. Derek Brown should be the pick here at number five. It almost feels like Derek Brown's underrated, which is crazy. If you've like watched him play, he's I mean, he's really, really good. But he just, he's almost been lost in this class because of the quarterbacks and the receivers. But I, I do believe he's a top seven or eight guy in this class. And Detroit would be very, very smart to pick him. Number six, the Arizona Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald is going to be done in the desert. They need a number one receiver. They need a lot of things, but I think they need a number one receiver. Most importantly, I'm going to go Jerry Judy here. I think his agility, his breaking ability out of routes, how explosive he is. That is perfect for the Arizona offense. Now, I I will say, Judy has dropped some passes the second half of the season that have concerned me because he's just letting the ball get into his body. I didn't see him do that last year. I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's trying to protect himself. I don't know if he's overthinking it, but there is a little bit of concern there. He's still the top receiver for me, but I don't think it's this where it used to be like Judy was up here by himself and then there was everyone else. I think C.D. Lamb, I think Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, this is a really good receiver class. I still think Judy's the best, but he has not separated himself from the pack like I thought he would this year. Yeah, there was a time where Judy was consistently going number two or number three in these mock drafts. So, you know, a couple of spots back for him now, but we still love his talent. And speaking of those wide receivers that are creeping up on him, number seven, the New York Jets. I don't think this will be a Joe Douglas pick. I think they'll reach on an offensive lineman if they can't get a corner like Jeff Okuda. But if I was making this pick, I would go with C.D. Lamb. I would be really aggressive with the offensive line and trades and free agency so I don't pigeonhole myself into some kind of top seven reach here. The Jets, listen, you could sit there and argue all day they need offensive line. I won't argue back. They also need a number one wide receiver for Sam Darnold very, very badly. And C.D. Lamb is that guy. Man, Sam looks so good at times, but he just needs help. I mean, he's throwing to guys who I've never even heard of. And, and running for his life. <laughs> exactly. And yelling at Adam Gase. Poor David Fails on the sideline. That's my favorite video of the weekend. <laughs> that face, that shocked face. Just the, oh my God. It's like it's like the first time he'd ever heard mom and dad fight. Number eight, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have two picks in round one. With this one, I'm going to give them their left tackle of the future, Jedrick Wills, who... I was going to spend all last week finishing my offensive line rankings, and then I got the flu, so it hasn't happened. What I've seen from Wills makes me think he might be my top tackle in this class, and I want to watch a couple more games before I you know, come to that full opinion, but I like Wills. His movement skills are really good. What he does in the run game, getting to the second level, I think he can play left tackle in the NFL. I really don't have any questions about that because he's just agile enough. He has the body type. He has the strength. The Jags, I think they have something to Gardner Minshew. I really do. Let's protect him. Give him the help that they haven't given some of these other quarterbacks. Jedrick Wills is going to be the left tackle of the future there. Yeah, I'm with you. That offensive line needs help. I think with a better offensive line, they can keep developing Gardner like you said. And Matt, how about a quiet uh, over 1,000 yards on the ground for Leonard Fournette this year? I I know the last couple games, he's kind of stumbled a little bit. I don't think the blocking has been there. But it's good to see Fournette 
turn it on in year number three for Jacksonville. Hopefully him and Gardner can kind of be the guys next year when they get a foundation in front of them. Number nine, the Los Angeles Chargers. We've said this pick a lot. This seems like the ideal landing spot for Justin Herbert, whether that's sitting behind Phillip Rivers if he comes back next year or Tyrod Taylor. I'm okay with that. I just think this is a quiet place for Herbert to go develop where he doesn't have to be forced into a starting job. He stays on the West Coast and and the Chargers, Matt, they need their quarterback of the future. I can really see them swinging for the fences at this spot of the draft. Yeah, I can too. And and Phillip Rivers is going to be a Hall of Famer. He has been a great quarterback for the last 15, 16 years. It's it's done. He he does not look good out on the field, so they got to get somebody else in there. Number 10, the Denver Broncos. I think they might have their quarterback of the future. Drew Locke came back to earth a little bit in a snowstorm in Kansas City, but has still shown flashes. One thing that that stands out, whether you've watched one game this year or every Broncos game, they have to protect better. Garrett Bowles is just not getting it done. Juwan Johnson has been completely hurt on the right side. I'm going to give them Andrew Thomas, left tackle from Georgia. I don't know if he stays at left tackle in the NFL. I could see him moving over to the right side. But for the Broncos, they just have to invest in that O-line because if they do have a guy in Drew Locke that they can build around, and we'll see how he looks the next two weeks, but you have to believe he goes into next year as a starting quarterback for Denver, and they have to help him out. I think so, too. I think to see what you have in him, and we knew he was pretty raw coming in, you want to add as much pieces as you can around him. Number 11, the Carolina Panthers. This is probably the highest we've had him. I'm going Christian Fulton here, Matt. I've gotten to catch up on some of his coaches' film last week when it became official. He'll be at the Senior Bowl. When you watch him against Alabama, they ask him one-on-one to cover guys like Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, really a lot of Ruggs in that game. And, of course, there's going to be a couple times where Ruggs is just simply faster. But Fulton is scrappy. He moves very, very well. He sees the ball. I'm blown away. But We saw him in person against Georgia last year during the 2018 season. I thought he really stood out in that game. But I think he's made the legitimate jump to being a top 15 pick in this class. And for the Panthers, if you can keep stacking up secondary pieces while you have some pieces up front, that defense can be very, very good. Yeah, it really can be. And I think with Fulton, another thing to remember is he's played hurt a lot this year. Yes, so he has. people are going to say, oh, like uh, I saw him do this in this game or whatever. He's been playing on a hurt ankle. And I think that speaks to his toughness. His leadership is off the charts good. I have a higher grade on him than I had on Greedy, and he was my top corner last year. So really, really like Christian Fulton. Number 12, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I've been playing their just asses off lately for Tan Quinn. I'm going to give them Ed Champ and Essa, which a little bit of a fall here. I would be surprised if he's available at 12 when the actual draft gets here. They need another pass rusher. Whoever's the head coach there, you can use someone like Epinesa, 6'6", 280. He has power, uses his length well, but he also has speed. We've seen that over the second half of the season, the college football season. He absolutely dominated playing right defensive end for Iowa. So whether it's a 4-3, a 3-4, Epinesa is the type of pass rusher you can build your D-line around. Yeah, I'm with you there, and it's kind of funny. Maybe Vic Beasley's been listening to the Stick to Football mock drafts because he hears us take a pass rusher for them every single Monday. He has three sacks in his last two games. Atlanta, don't fall for that again. You need somebody up front. Let's be real here. All right, 13, the now Vegas Raiders. I think we can call it official at this point. 
Let's get this thing with a little flash to kick ourselves off here in Vegas, Raiders. Isaiah Simmons, we've used this pick a couple times. He is a piece on defense that can do it all. He could stop the outside run. He could play middle linebacker, outside linebacker, slot corner. I'm a believer that you could probably put the guy at strong safety and he'd be fine. High effort player, an elite top-tier athlete. He really, really is. But you see it on the field. And if you're a Raiders fan that hasn't gotten to see him play this year because Clemson plays in the ACC, a lot of the games aren't always worth watching. Watch him in the college football playoff this year, and, and you'll be banging the table for this guy. Hell, go back and watch him play Alabama last year, yeah. and you'll be, you'll be jumping up on the table for sure. Number 14, the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to give them another left tackle. So we're going to have three left tackles going in the top 15 here. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa plays right tackle for the Hawkeyes. He can switch over, play on the left side. No worries there. I think he only plays the right side because their actual left tackle, Aller Jackson, is just not comfortable on the right side. So Wirfs has power, going to help in the run game. Nick Chubb will be very happy to see this guy. So will Baker Mayfield because the Browns have talent. This team, it's actually hard to find a hole where there's not a young player or not a player we liked in the draft or free agency. They have to get better on the offensive line, though. Tristan Wirfs will answer the biggest question on this entire roster, in my opinion. Yeah, they're just woefully unprepared week after week. But this offense... You can't draft a coach as much as I would like to. And I know it got around a lot this weekend. I'd been talking to a lot of people the last week, Matt. It's hard to find somebody that thinks Freddie's getting fired. It's hard. Now... When you embarrass yourself week after week, maybe they're going to build a case here. But I'm not sold that the Browns will be looking for a new head coach just yet. There's a lot of time, but that would be a mistake, in my opinion. They got to get this thing right while this roster is that good. 15, the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going pass rusher here. Yitor Grossmatos. I know they've taken a decent amount of edge guys. They signed Justin Houston. I still think... The long-term future of the position has some question marks. I also think this is something me and Matt talked about before we started the show today. There's a drop-off in talent in the second half of this round that is significantly higher than usual, where if you're sitting in the top 16 picks and you're not looking at one of the deep positions like running back or wide receiver, it's hard to find really top-tier you know, high impact round one talent. And that's why if I'm the Colts, I'm not going to pass on gross Matos in this spot. He's been very good against the run. He's just loaded up with traits to rush the passer. He's got good length. I love this guy's game. I think he needs to be a little more consistent, but he's a young player that'll get there. Yeah. Like if you liked Brian Burns last year, then you're going to really like us. Yeah. I mean, same type of dude, Um, maybe not as consistent, but same type of dude. Number 16, the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they have to get speed on on offense at wide receiver. Henry Ruggs comes in. That is his game to a T. Carson Wentz, I, I know, has had a lot of critics this year. Carson is doing everything he can. He just doesn't have any help at wide receiver. I mean, Greg Ward's out there trying to save the season. They need to give him help. Henry Ruggs take top off the defense. He can help on yak plays. I think that he's going to get typecast by some people as just a deep threat. I see him as so much more than that. Rugs can answer a lot of the Eagles' problems here. Connor and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock, buddy. Little fun fact here, Matt. Jameis Winston can break the single-season passing yards record. How wild what? is that? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's in the conversation for it. 
I um so this wasn't planned to talk about, but Jameis threw a pick on the opening drive yesterday, which happens a lot. And I tweeted, it's like, <laughs> oh wait, Jameis threw a pick. Bucks fans got so mad at me because he had a good game after that. And they were like, Oh, why aren't you tweeting about it now? It's like, guys, you missed the joke. He leads the NFL in interceptions. Yeah. Just it's funny. Dude, I, I'm telling you, I need to fact check that, but it is wild. He has forty five hundred yards right now. Yeah. Which is like over t- he has two hundred and something more than Dak, who's in second. He's also so, thrown twenty four interceptions. Which oh, he is just he is just rec- recklessly throwing the ball around. It's been it's honestly fun at this point. Thirty touchdowns, twenty four picks. I mean, it's it's wild to me, man. But we do got to make a pick for the Bucks here, <laughs> and that guy will be Grant Delpit. I, I know you said this in the past, Matt. Getting Todd Bowles, uh, chess piece safety. Would be really exciting to watch. Delpit has had an up-and-down year. I still know he could play at a very, very high level, especially closer to the line of scrimmage, which you know Jacob Hester was telling us when we were down in Alabama. He said, listen, he's had to do a lot of different things this year, but if you put him closer to the line of scrimmage, all he does is make plays. And I think Bowles is a guy that would really know how to maximize his talent. Yeah, we saw that against Georgia. Let him play near the line of scrimmage. Let him blitz. Let him make make plays in the box. Number 18, the Las Vegas Raiders. That does sound weird. This one from the Chicago Bears. I'm going to get a little crazy here. I like Derek Carr, and I think with the right pieces around him, we could see him be a pretty good quarterback. But I don't know that John Gruden's going to be patient enough for that. And I think anyone who knows anything about Gruden will point to the fact that he likes to mix it up in the quarterback position. The grass is always greener for him. So I'm going to give them Jordan Love, a player who I believe is going to be a first-round pick when it's all said and done. His traits are phenomenal, and someone's going to talk themselves into being able to get 2018 type of season out of him where Matt Wells was the coach, and he was fantastic. But this year, he struggled. He had bad talent around him, no offensive line, and he did make some bad decisions. But I think John Gruden's going to look at that arm and that athleticism and say, I can I can help him be a better decision maker. I can give him, you know, guys around him to make plays like Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller and Fabian Moreau, Foster Moreau, excuse me. Jordan Love is gonna get the first round. I think the the Raiders are a sneaky team as of now to consider for a quarterback. Yeah, I think they are too. I don't know if Jordan Love is the answer, but I do know that Derek Carr, in my opinion, is not. And I think there's some Raider fans that feel it's not his fault, all his fault, and I understand that. I just don't look at Derek Carr and go, yes, that is the guy in the Gruden era that's going to get the Raiders, not back to the playoffs. I'm talking a winning football team, a 10, 11, 12, 13 winning football team. That should be the expectations for the Raiders with Gruden. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they play this out. If they give Carr another chance, it's going to be very, very interesting situation to watch. 19 the Tennessee Titans. I went corner here. Paulson Adebo. I think Adebo. He's he's obviously you know had some injuries this year. This is a very good corner class. He, he's kind of been a forgotten man in this corner class. I think the Titans have had such a good find in Ryan Tannehill right now, where that pressing need at quarterback has has really lightened. It's not where they have to sit here and they have to reach for some developmental guy anymore. They don't need to do that. They can continue loading the deck on defense, which you know Mike Vrabel loves to do. And once again, I think this is a hard part of the draft where you're looking at the best available players 
This is a team that I, I'm not drafting a wide receiver, although the value would be better here. A.J. Brown has been phenomenal for them. Incredible that he fell all the way to 51. So I'll go corner here and capitalize on grabbing a Debo. Yeah, I'm going to corner as well at 20, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the pick they got for one of the picks they got for Jalen Ramsey. I'm going to go C.J. Henderson here. I, I, I like Christian Fulton. I like Paul Debo. I think Henderson slots in right there with those guys. Uh, there's A lot has been made about is he physical enough? Does he tackle? I mean, I think he's good enough, and I think what he does in coverage is potentially special in a way kind of like Tredavious White was for me coming out. I say he's, his technique is good. He's feisty, and if he gets in the right scheme where there's a good pass rush, he is going to be opportunistic enough to flip the field and make plays. I think Henderson can be a number one corner in Jacksonville with the type of defense they want to play. Now, we're probably going to see a pretty big shift there in terms of front office and coaching. But what they have in place right now, I think C.J. Henderson is a really good fit for that D. 21, the Dallas Cowboys. This might be one of my favorite picks in this mock draft. Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw probably has no business falling all the way to 21. But we see this happen with interior defensive linemen a lot. And I think if you're Dallas, this is an area where you should try to capitalize, load up, build the front of that defense. This is a Dallas team that looked great this weekend. This was some of their best football all around. It really, really was. But we know how important drafting is going to be for them as they've invested a lot of money already in long-term guys, long-term free agents, where they're going to have to hit on these top picks to get some, you know, some cheaper impact kind of players. But I love this Dallas roster, and I think Kinlaw would be a really, really great addition for them. If you watch Sunday night, Sunday afternoon football, when their D line is pushing, my God, they have just speed everywhere, and it makes the job real easy. Kinlaw would be great. Number twenty-two, the Miami Dolphins actually have twenty-two and twenty-three here. At twenty-two, Connor, I'm going to give them Terrell Lewis, an edge rusher from Alabama, a player I hope we see at the Senior Bowl, who is a graduate junior is eligible to play there. Lewis, six-five, two-sixty. Put his hand down; he can stand up. He can do a little bit of everything. Number twenty-two on that Bama defense. a little bit slow early in the year coming back from injury last year, but turned it on throughout the season. And when you talk about pass rusher traits, he has special, special tools. Yeah, he does. And I think for the Dolphins, a nice little mix of everything here. You get Tua at three, Lewis at 22, and now at 23, Trey Adams, because you're going to need to add to that offensive line. They've had a rough go of it. They've had a lot of names in there that probably didn't expect to even start in the NFL this season. That's what happens when you're, you know, a team like the Dolphins. You moved Laramie Tunzel. You probably had, you know, some injuries. And, and let's be real, you're a rebuilding roster. Trey Adams is a guy that can come in. He'll start from day one. He, he's, you know, a super high floor player to me. The medical is the biggest question, of course, long term. Yeah. But on the field, talent, high floor to me. He's clean in pass protection. He's a very good run blocker. He's tough and nasty. He's got great size. And I think it's an area that the Dolphins, maybe some of the favorite players, you know, like Worfs, Thomas, Wills, they might already be gone. But you can still get a day one starter in this spot. Adams is going to be at the Senior Bowl, and I think that's going to be a huge first step for him because my my biggest question about him from tape is how well does he move in space? Because and not just because of the back injury history, but just how, how fluid is he? And I think we'll get to see that in Mobile, and then one month later we'll have the combine, so we'll get the medicals there. That month, that stretch there, I think it's the difference between him being 
a late round pick and an early pick because it's just medicals and movement are going to be huge for Trey Adams. Number 24, the Minnesota Vikings. They need help at corner. I mean, Xavier Rhodes has fallen off a cliff. I like some of the young guys there. Mike Hughes is going to be a good player, but they need more help. If Sean Wade comes out as a redshirt sophomore, I think he gets into the late first round because there are teams here, the Vikings, the Chiefs, the Niners. There's just a need at corner late in the draft with four already having been drafted where a guy like Sean Wade, it's a little bit on potential because teams are are really afraid of that Ohio State secondary, but Sean Wade has traits. He has size. I think there are times when teams do attack and go to his side. He's shown that he has really good ball skills and instincts. So I think next year he would be the top corner in the draft. This year I still think he's a first-rounder. All right, 25, the Buffalo Bills officially headed to the postseason. Listen, they need a big wide receiver for Josh Allen. I mean, they really, really do. You even saw it. That throw to Cole Beasley, it was a little high, but you just see the lack of catch radius on these guys. That leads to either drops, interceptions. You don't have to worry about that when you have T. Higgins on the field. For Buffalo here, this is a good spot for them because they're going to be picking late because they're already in the playoffs and they need to get a wide receiver. They can capitalize off of how deep this class is. So for the Bills, getting T. Higgins, who has a million touchdowns in his last couple games, he's somebody that would come in, start from day one, bring an element to their offense that they simply don't have, which is size for the red zone, size for the middle of the field, and he could do a little bit after the catch as well. Number 26, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go Kenneth Murray here, a middle linebacker from Oklahoma. Thought about corner, but they're all gone. Interior offensive line feels like that's an area they can address a little bit later in the draft. Murray gives them really a nickel linebacker, someone who can stand the field all three downs, has great range sideline to sideline, and has been incredibly productive for that Oklahoma defense. Yeah, Murray's all over the place, and that's a great fit right there for the Chiefs. 27, the New Orleans Saints. Let's get that number two wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault. We've seen how creative Sean Payton is. I mean, when you look at how he uses guys in this offense, if you get Chenault there with the jet sweeps. It's not fair. It's not fair. The jet sweeps, the direct snaps, the screens, uh, getting downfield vertically and winning at the catch point. Chenault can do it all. I think he is, him and C.D. Lamb are the most dangerous wide receivers in this class with the ball in their hands in space. They really, really are. I would love to see Chenault in New Orleans. Yeah, I would too. Um, sometimes you see these matchups and you're like, God, that just makes sense. And I like Traycon Smith. I think he'll be a decent receiver, but God, they need a playmaker. And Chanel is absolutely that. And like him and just Sean Payton, like the matchup there is, is going to be so much fun. Trying to figure out where everybody's lined up in that offense would be amazing. 28, the San Francisco 49ers, they need help in the secondary. We saw a last second loss to the Falcons. Largely in part because Richard Sherman was hurt, but I think they need playmakers in the secondary. Xavier McKinney from Alabama, he has the best range of any safety in this class. He's a true free safety. He'll play center field over the top. Whether you're in cover one, two, three, four, whatever it is, McKinney can play a true high safety and take the, that top umbrella of the defense and be that player over over it. So with what the Niners have, you know, with Witherspoon, with Sherman at corner, they're in pretty good shape. McKinney can be a guy that really ties it all together at free safety. 
29, the New England Patriots here. Listen, this is a team that needs a tight end. I've drafted Hunter Bryant to them over and over again, but let's do something a little different this week. We'll go with Trey Smith, and I say this in every mock draft, much like Trey Adams, medicals are everything. We've seen the Patriots take some medical risk in the past. They're actually one of the teams that seem you know, less afraid to do that, whether it was Dominique Easley a long time ago, uh, Malcolm Mitchell, was another one. And then Sony Michelle actually had some pretty tough medicals as well. Trey Smith is someone where he fits what they love in their offensive linemen. Nasty, tough, versatile kind of guy that they can run the rock behind. He can play tackle. He can play guard. And I think for the Patriots, we've seen a lot of holes on this offensive line this year due to injuries. I don't know if Tom's going to be there next year, but it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. They really, really need to keep adding pieces up front. That includes tight end and offensive line. Yeah, we talked about it before the show. I don't know if they're plugging holes or building for the future. And this offseason will tell us a lot about that. Number 30, the Green Bay Packers. Dylan Moses has no business being around here, but because he got hurt early this year, we don't really know where he's at in terms of his rehab back from that ACL injury. If healthy, I think Dylan Moses would have been a top 10 player in this class. He is special. The Packers need a middle linebacker. They can afford to, if Moses isn't going to be ready week one, they can afford to take a flyer on this guy late round one because the value is exceptional. But he is exactly what their defense needs with what they have now in the pass rush, with Rashawn Gary coming up on the D-line, you got a good corner, Jal Alexander. Dylan Moses can really tie that defense together. It's just all a matter of, is he healthy? Yeah, I think that's going to be the big question for him. And I think if he checks out medically, Matt, we'll get away from the days of having Dylan Moses in the bottom four picks of this draft. Hoping yep. more closer to the top 20, top 15 kind of spots. 31, the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going with Tyler Biotish here the center from Wisconsin. I think when you look at Seattle, they're a team that could prop their offensive line. It's not great. It's also not horrible. I think they could use some pieces on the interior here. And I think they're a team with Russell Wilson where, you know, it'd be great to get this run game going full throttle. It'd be great to keep him clean and pass protection as he doesn't, he doesn't age at all. Russell Wilson, but like every other quarterback, you would love to have a really good offensive line for him as he gets into his mid-30s. So I think I look at Biotish here. Uh, he's somebody that can finish easily as a top 25, top 20 player on any big board. It just is a positional value thing where he'll probably fall closer to back into round one or top 40. Yeah, I, I think with him, it's a lot like you know guys like Frank Ragno in previous years or yes. Billy Price where there's going to be teams that love them, and you know like that's just a really solid player. It's just a matter of where they fall, but he would be a really good fit there. Number 32, the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know what this team needs because they look unbeatable right now, and they're young at the right positions. I really thought losing C.J. Mosley would have a huge impact on this defense. It, is it not. did not. They're still fine. I really thought losing Trail Suggs, huge impact. Nope. Maybe Matt Judon being a free agent will point us in the direction of where they're going to go in free agency, but, uh, or excuse me, in the draft. I like Julian Okora. Even if Judon's back, I would like to see them add younger pass rushers, just build up what they have there. You know, guys like Tim Williams never hit. Tyus Bowser hasn't really hit. Get younger at the pass rush position. Keep throwing picks at it. But again, I don't, I don't know that this team needs anything because – They've taken down everyone in the NFL, and no one can seem to figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson or how to slow down that defense. So the Ravens, uh, congratulations. You look like you're probably going to be seeing us in Miami in a couple months. 
Draft on draft time. Here we go. First question up from Dam Supa. The Bucks are going to be too good to get a quarterback, barring a trade. Do they roll with the highs and lows of Jameis or just hit the refresh button? Man, I feel like they're going to roll with Jameis for one more year. It's not what I would do. I think do, so, too. But it, it feels that way. It feels like Bruce Arians is going to look at the fact that, like you said, Connor, he's leading the NFL in yards. Yes, he's also leading in interceptions, but they're probably going to say, okay, well, now he knows the offense. He'll cut down on the mistakes next year. I think it's fool's gold, but it feels like that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I think so, too, because you know they've won a decent amount of games where they've gotten themselves out of the territory of getting one of these quarterbacks. Now, I can see a world where maybe Jacob Eason declares and Bruce doesn't really care what the opinions are of him, and he says, listen, that's my kind of quarterback. We'll take him. The problem is it also depends what kind of contract you have Jameis on. I mean, if you have Jameis getting guaranteed money into you know at least three years, then you're not going to take a Jacob Beeson or any round right. one quarterback because it would be a complete waste. So it's interesting for the Bucks, but it, it, it's it's come back to where I'm starting to lean the other way again, where Jameis might be in a bizarro way the best option short term. I just wouldn't feel good about giving him any kind of big contract. Next up. Miles Jamison, is an athletic Jared Goff a good comp for Joe Burrow? If not, what is a good comp? I kind of see that. I think in body type, especially, you kind of see that because they're both kind of skinny kids. Burrow has put on a little bit of weight. Um, I just feel like Joe is so good in the pocket, and I don't think Goff is. Goff seems a little aloof at times in the pocket. I don't know what the comp is for Burrow because he's – his size, you don't look at like I think he moves around the pocket too well for a guy his size. So it's it's tough. I don't I sometimes I think it's Drew Brees. Sometimes I, I said Jimmy Garoppolo was the one I gave him early in the year. I know Melo has said in the pocket he's like Tom Brady with his pocket poise. I, I don't I don't have a cop. It's completely blank next to his name in my scouting database because there's just there's not anyone that I get a great feel. It's like, oh, that's that's who Burrow is. I mean like I, Tony Romo, maybe, but I, I think that's he, a hot one right now, and I don't like it. I don't either, but I hear it a lot, so I don't know. I'll, I'll I let you guys Romo know. Romo and Darnold were very similar, and I yes. don't see Darnold and Burrow being similar. I agree with that a lot. But so he, that's my problem three, with reused comps. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're. He's just so smooth, and I don't know that there is anyone in the NFL where you're, you're like watching him move through the pocket and. Eyes are always downfield, and he can make athletic throws. There's just not really anyone that fits that mold, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it'll be tough. He, he'll probably be a throwback comp somewhere. Yeah. A player of the last 15 years rather than the last three or three to five, which you know throws people off a little bit. But those comps take longer to come up with, and I think I enjoy them more because it's, it's more of a research project than rather just uh, us having – Nine Le'Veon Bells every single right, year, or right. <laughs> twelve Aaron Rodgers. Like that's yeah. So it's a great question though, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what he ultimately ends up being written as. Andrew Magnuson, does a player's decision to skip a bowl game or decline to go to the Senior Bowl affect how a player is viewed slash evaluated? Not for us, but I, I always want to preface these because. Every evaluator is human, right? And so there could be a GM who it pisses them off that a guy doesn't go to the Senior Bowl. I've heard stories of this happening. I've heard stories of teams being really mad that Josh Allen from Kentucky didn't go last year and that it maybe pushed him down in the draft some. 
So I, I think it it can, but it doesn't for me. If a guy skips a bowl game, that's their decision. It doesn't really bother me one way or the other. I think it's just part of the job. If a guy decides not to go to the Senior Bowl, we can have an opinion on if that was a good decision or not. But ultimately, I don't know that it's going to hurt a player's stock for me so much. I think the Senior Bowl is more just a missed opportunity. So it's not going to move you down if you skip, but you missed an opportunity to move up more. more I guess the better way to put it. Matt, this is the rare week where I actually have a draft on draft question. Ooh, here we go. And it, it's kind of useless now because the Giants, a lot of teams won yesterday, but the Giants won yesterday. But when the Bengals were giving the Patriots a game and the Giants were potentially going to lose, I wondered if the Giants somehow ended up picking number one, would you draft Joe Burrow and trade Daniel Jones? Oh, man. It's not going to happen. It's so, not. Um, no. You take Chase Young? Yeah, I would. And, okay. And I say that I don't really like Daniel Jones. I don't think he's that good. But I just feel like your return on investment at that point is is really, really bad. I, I thought it was interesting. It's Because I don't, know, I don't know what I would do. And I think people like label me as a Daniel Jones hater. And that's not the case. I don't even know what I would do. But it was interesting because I heard back from a lot of Giants fans, and it was the responses were split. The vote was to draft Chase Young. Yeah, that won at fifty four percent. But there was people that were like, "Man, it would be very hard for me to pass on taking Joe Burrow. He's good. I mean, he's really uh, watching him in person again. Uh, that was, was mind blowing. Yeah, it's like, just a reminder of how good he. And you know, we've seen him play four times in the last two years uh, on tailgate tour, and he's never lost a game that we've been at. So. No, it is crazy when you think about that. If yeah. there's anybody we've seen more of, it's Joe Burrow. Right. So, yeah. wow. All right, last one of the day, Jeremy Thompson. Can you guys start floating car to the Bears so the Raiders can get their second rounder back? Thanks. Do you guys really <laughs> want him, though? That's I put this in here because I, I, I don't know that the Bears – do you want Derek That's Carr a bad fit. over Mitch Trubisky? I, I mean, I get everybody, you know, hates on Mitch, but – and I get the the question was kind of like, you know, in a in a sarcastic, funny way. What is Carr worth? Is the question. Uh, I don't. It's hard because to tell his, anymore. Oh man, it really is. Uh, well, I have to look at the guarantees. I was going to say know, they dry up. They dry up really quick. So next year, he only has five million in dead money if he's cut. This was the big year. This was the twenty seven over twenty seven in dead money if cut. So. This was really the last full year of money, and then it just it really goes down to five million, then two point five million, then zero. So, I, I would mean, give up a third for him. I would too. I would too. I think, yeah, I would too. It's interesting. I'll say I'll say this though, Matt. I saw a weird stat. He's like horrific in games below 50 degrees yeah when that's they came even... to kansas city a couple weeks ago that was ever that's all anyone talked about like he has to be in warm weather or you know send him to new orleans let him take over for drew Brees. he could play in a dome oh keep teddy well that's what they should do <laughs> yeah but you're the but bears yeah. you don't want him i mean it's always cold there no, I don't. That's why I just don't think. And I know the weather thing, people, it gets overblown, but it's a real thing with him. The reason I saw that was because it was the graphic before he played the Jets at New York. And I think it was like 43 degrees that day. 
and he was 15 of 27 for 127 yards, no touchdowns in yep. a pick. I will never forget the first, the not the first game. I think it was his first NFL game I saw. It was a Thursday nighter in Kansas City. It was the year the Raiders were really good. It was eight degrees out. He broke his hand. Raiders lost. And it was just, I mean, he does not want to be outside in the cold, which I don't really either, but I'm not an NFL quarterback. So, yeah. All right. That is yeah. our show, buddy. Uh, Wednesday, give me a fun one. We're going to be handing oh, yeah. out Christmas presents to Santa Claus time. Yeah. Santa time. Uh, handing out should Christmas we, should presents. Should we wear Santa suits on the NFL show? Team. Ooh. I might get a hat at least. I could di- I could dig mine up. Yeah, I didn't I didn't shave while I was sick and so I did this morning. I I had a lot of white in the beard. I'm not going to lie. So I'm oh, a couple dude, years away. You should have kept it too early. Yeah. Uh, too early. Should have kept it. But we will be handing out presents. Connor's got the AFC. I have the NFC. We'll be back Wednesday morning uh, handing those out for you guys. So thank you for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you real soon.